You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 474 of Podcateers. This week, we provide some updates on things we've been working on, including updating our YouTube channel, new gear designs, we wonder where cottage cheese comes from, we're officially throwing our hat back in the ring to raise money for the Children's Hospital of Orange County, also known as Chalk, we continue our history segment, Great Moments with Mr. Andrew, with the years 1979 and 1980, And we discuss how we stand with the unions by talking about things that we've learned about during the current Hollywood strike and how it can potentially affect multiple industries. Now, we mentioned this in the episode, but everything that we talk about is based on our current understanding of the information available and the guidelines that are currently provided by SAG-AFTRA. So if there's anything that we got wrong, especially if you're part of one of the unions, please don't hesitate to reach out to help us better understand the situation. We'd love for you to join the conversation on our social networks, including Instagram and Facebook, but we invite you to join us on Discord. Joining the community is super simple. Just head on over to podcasters.com slash links and click on the Discord button to join our community. A very special thank you goes out to an awesome group of listeners known as the FGP Squad, our podcast fairy godparents, because it's their support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcasters possible. As part of the FGP Squad family, you get some additional perks like exclusive discount codes for Podcasters gear, access to additional content that we've uploaded to Patreon, access to our happy hour calls, and things like random mailings and giveaways. For more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcasters.com slash FGP. And of course, as always, a super special thank you goes out to the FGP Squad for their continued support. So that's going to wrap up the intro. If this is your first time hanging out with us, we just want to say thank you. We hope that you enjoy the episode and that you come back for more. And of course, if you've been hanging with us for a while now, welcome back, friends. Here is episode 474 of Podcateers. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah, zoom, 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 zoom. Yeah, zoom, 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 zoom. Zoom. But that's like, a, like a Mitsubishi commercial. It's a, a Mazda commercial. I'm a pretty Mazda sure. Is, that's what is it was. Zoom, zoom, zoom. And then there's like the like zoom, zoom. Oh yes. That's that oh, I do remember the whispers. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good song. That zoom, zoom song. It's like doom, that's doom, funny. Doom. Somebody should like uh, you know they do all those like uh, or they mash them ups. The ma- uh, mash them ups as I call them. I'm sure there's a, a better term for that. But the, somebody should do that with the zoom, zoom, zoom song. I don't know what they do it with, but that would be interesting. I don't know. Uh, Baja man, who let the dogs out? Zoom, 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 zoom. zoom, zoom. <laughs> oh, <that's good. laughs> ah, that would be funny. I uh, can you hear my fan? I have a fan blowing towards me, but I put it at a slightly low speed because y'all is hot. Nope. I'm it's your hot. fan. You're I'm right good. here. I'm going. Yay, Hazel! Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, I'm your fan too. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at Zoom. I'm like, is that Andrew from Quizneyland? Zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs> zoom, zoom. <laughs> Can we get in trouble for that? Oh, uh, that's funny. I, I don't know. I, think, I don't think so. We're just talking hashtag, about it. 
hashtag not associated with Zoom Zoom. Right. With the, with the Mazda commercial from the the <laughs> mid 2000s or whenever that was. Or oh, Zoom Zooms. Or, or Zoom Zooms. Or, or Nemos. Or uh, um, what are all the other things? Uh, Beanie Babies. And, oh, uh, Duffy and uh, Pals. Yes. Bionicle. Bionicle. Uh, <laughs> I loved Bionicles, man. <laughs> Those were awesome. Man, so much to talk about this week. It's been, it's it's been a really weird week. Mm-hmm. Uh, later in the episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about the strike and trying to make sense of all of that. But in between learning about the strike and stuff like that, I know I mentioned this like multiple episodes ago, but uh, we, I've been on a mission to update our YouTube channel and bring it up to speed with all of our episodes so that if you consume content through YouTube, you'll be able to listen to our episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the channel. You'll get alerts every time a new episode is posted. Uh, And a couple of years ago, After Effects, which is the application that I used to make those videos, just decided to like wake up one day and choose violence against me because <laughs> it was always crashing and it was causing me all sorts of issues. I remember. To the point where I said, you know what? No more. I'm done with you. <laughs> and so I haven't made a video. Like, I didn't make one for a couple years. Yeah. And uh, we had a, a conversation uh, a month or so ago, and we thought, you know what? Maybe we should really start trying to figure out the YouTube thing again. When we started talking about where we want to live stream, and you know, start doing like gaming videos, like playing stuff like Dreamlike Valley and stuff live. And uh, I didn't want to bury a lot of those videos because that's exactly what's going to happen. Like I've already posted some Dreamlike Valley content, and unfortunately. As I've added more episodes of the podcast, YouTube doesn't give you the opportunity to add a publishing date or anything like that. So they're all just getting buried under a hundred plus episodes of old stuff that we've released, right? Right. So uh, I've refrained from adding any other content to the YouTube channel until we're fully caught up with the episodes so that it's basically all current at that point. It came at a really weird time, especially for like Dreamlight Valley stuff, because as we're recording this episode, a new update was released. It's the update that brings Vanellope uh, and like the, the path to bring Vanellope into the valley and this new feature called Dream Snaps. I don't know if you've been keeping up with it. I've been kind of like hot cold with Dreamlight Valley stuff recently. Same. But one of the new features uh, that they're adding is Dream Snaps. And the way it's going to work is, remember they had these contests where you could submit a photo of like your dream park or whatever. And people were supposed to vote on it. And and you were supposed to win prizes and everything. Yep. So the Dream Snaps is also a photo contest. You submit your photo and it gets placed up against someone else's photo at random and you vote between a and b for which one you like more and if your photo at the end of whatever the specified time period is gets the most votes you win free moonstones and so Mm. people are going crazy because moonstones are expensive yeah like real world dollar wise it's It's like insane how expensive they are 
Uh, I was, I think the other, oh, and by the way, I didn't know this, but they are different prices on different platforms. The most expensive, believe it or not, are on the Switch. Yay, hooray, that's what I play on. Yeah. So, I I was playing the other day, and I realized, I I was trying to figure out, like, okay, well, I don't have enough Moonstones to buy, you know, a couple of these items. What's it going to cost me real world? It was like $15 for like a a dog or whatever follows me around what is it the little fox thing uh-huh. yeah you know, i i don't remember i don't remember what i was trying to buy it it was specifically something from their like new store but it was like real world 15 dollars some of the outfit things that they have for sale are like 10 real world dollars when you convert to moonstone that's insane so at some point uh, I know that they might have to reduce the prices for more people to do it. Uh, it came up on my Reddit feed this last week that multiple people have gone to Nintendo and complained about it because of all the platforms, Nintendo seems to be the one, or the Switch seems to be the one that's most plagued with errors. It's the slowest. Yes. It just doesn't handle the game very well. And some people went back to Nintendo and said, hey, I want a refund. Everything that I've been promised by this company has not come to fruition yet. And it's just frustrating. And Nintendo is granting people their money back. What? what, what, what? You don't get, yeah, you don't get a full refund. Like they're not going to refund your credit card or anything, but you get that money back as an eShop credit. Mm. So if you pay, you know, if you paid the 30, 40, 50 or whatever for any of the founders packs, mm-hmm. If you are unhappy, you can go to Nintendo, you can file a claim and say that you want a refund, just specify why, and just wait until the game is free to play, and then download it at that point. You will lose all your progress. Just anything, like if you re-download it later as a free-to-play, yeah. you're starting from scratch. Just be aware of that. Uh, but you will get your money back as a credit, and then you can use it to buy something else like... I don't know, Illusion Island, when that comes out in two weeks. Mickey's Illusion Island. So, Uh, so yeah, new stuff in in Dreamlight Valley. I'm hoping to play soon. Uh, I I, I hope to get back to the content that I started doing and have had to put on hold. And then hopefully we can get to some live stuff at some point. Yeah. Uh, I know that we decided on YouTube, so I've been kind of itching to, to give that a shot. So more on that to come. Uh, let's see. Oh, hey, Chalk Walk is in a month. Mm. Now, if you've been following the podcast for some time, you know that every year we support uh, different organizations. We tend to support a couple of larger events. And then on Giving Tuesday, which is kind of like a worldwide giving day, we have multiple institutions that we like to support. Uh, but Chalk Walk is one of the one of the yearly events that we've been supporting for quite some time. Uh, the last few years have been a little weird, obviously with all the stuff that's been going on. And uh, we, we really didn't have like a, a big showing the last couple of years, but uh, Chalk Walk is about a month away and we are officially throwing our name in the hat. We're going to go ahead and we're going to sign up for a page. I don't know if we're actually going to show up for the event that day, 
Uh, I don't know if Andrew's going to want to drive all the way down you know, from <laughs> Northern California for like a That's one only, morning uh, of walking a 5K. Eight <laughs> hours. So, eight hours right? in a car, then walking around for what, three <laughs> miles and then get back in the car and go back home. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what the logistics and stuff for the day are going to be, but we do still want to support the Children's Hospital of Orange County, something that we've done for some time. So uh, we're going to start a team, but Willie Page we will make that page available so that if you want to make a donation and you want to support our efforts, you can make a donation. But one of the things we're going to be bringing back this year are the auctions that we've done on Instagram. And the way that they've worked is someone will donate something. We've had members of the FGP squad actually reach out with donations, uh, which is super cool. Thank you so much to all of them for reaching out. Uh, But the way that it works is we post an item. We give you the time and date that we're going to post it. Once we do, somebody like will tell you what the starting bid is. Then you comment what your next bid is. Usually it's about a dollar increase. And you just have to keep replying to the last person that bid so that they know that they were outbid. That way they get an opportunity to bid again if they want to continue uh, bidding for that item. So more info will be coming on that. More info on the items that we're going to be auctioning off will also be posted on Instagram. So if you're not following us there, make sure that you're following us. We'll post it on threads. Uh, If you can help us spread the word so we can try to raise as much money for the Children's Hospital, that would be fantastic. We would truly appreciate that support. Uh, So keep an eye out for all of that um, when we post it. I was working on some new shirt designs. Also, I don't know when we're going to release them, but we're we've been testing out like new garments. We've been testing out new like printing processes and stuff like that. Uh, I posted one of the designs on Discord recently. I think I posted it on Instagram, too. Oh, I did post it on Instagram because I asked if people thought of it was Kachow or Kachiga. Uh, <laughs> Kachiga, yeah. And I don't think people understood that going... In, in the direction of Kachiga was, like, bad? Well, it said no. It said the wrong answer if you clicked on Kachiga. Because I clicked on Kachiga to be a, a little stinker. <laughs> and apparently other <laughs> I people know also you did. did. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did. Yeah, I guess when you have the poll, there's uh-huh. a way of marking what the right answer is. And I didn't know that. And so I didn't realize, like, when I clicked on uh, the Kachow one that it was highlighted, which made mm-hmm. it the right answer. I guess. Uh, so, yeah. So that's one of the new designs. Uh, I've been playing around with my own version of a Dole Whip because I just, I like Dole Whips. Mm-hmm. And my biggest conundrum uh, with that design is spoon or no spoon? Well, you got to have a spoon, spoon to eat it, right? Yep. Do you, though? I mean, I mean, or you could just shove it in your face, I guess. That's I mean, what I'm saying. <laughs> you could do, I mean, you Squish could. Squish the cup. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, here's a random thing. For some reason on my like Instagram, like the reels and stuff, I keep getting these videos mm-hmm. of people that are handing other people ice cream cones. And then they say, oh, no, I wanted chocolate. And then the person goes, okay. And they grab the ice cream cone and throw it at a coworker's face. What is with these videos? I don't know what is going on. There's so many ice cream in the face videos going around right now. That's a waste of ice cream. 
<laughs> Very no, okay, much so. <laughs> I don't know where they started. I know which ones you're talking about. It's not that they're throwing the ice cream. It's that they're throwing the mistake on the ice cream. So, for instance, if somebody says, okay, well, here's your ice cream cone. And they said, oh, I didn't want whipped cream on that. They grab the entire mound of whipped mm-hmm. cream and they chuck it across the room at their coworker. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know where it came from. I it made me laugh the first time I saw it because it was so unexpected and then all of a sudden they just started coming up oh, like man. over and over. I agree with you. I think it's a waste. Like I so much wasted I ice cream. It, but I throw it at my mouth. Right. It is weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Aww. Can somebody do that with a Dole Whip at me? Like, just... <laughs> exactly. I guess you don't need a spoon that way. <laughs> right. I wanted strawberry. Sorry. Plop. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. So, yeah, I got a couple other designs coming up. I don't know. Maybe I'll post it on Discord and I'll have uh, people on Discord vote on whether they want the spoon or no spoon version of the design. Or who knows? Maybe they'll say just leave both and then you can choose whether or not you want the spoon in your Dole Whip. I don't know. There we go. I want a Dole Whip float version. Oh, that would be fantastic. That sounds good right now. That does. Yeah. You know, when I went to Disneyland, we got because I took my uh, went with my cousin her first time and uh, I we got Dole Whips. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go get some pineapple juice. And I got some pineapple juice. That's just good, too. It's it's not as cold as it is when you have the Dole Whip in there. But pineapple juice is great. It is. I'm just going to say out there, pineapple juice is great. <laughs> Might be a controversial opinion. No, I'm just kidding. But no. <laughs> you want to hear a controversial opinion? I'm going to huh. tell you a controversial opinion that people are going to listen to this and be like, what are you doing? How dare what? you, sir? I like to eat cottage cheese with pineapple. Yeah, why not? Sure. It comes people together. People do that all the time. Yeah. I I think the controversial thing that you said there is you like to eat cottage cheese because <laughs> there are so many people, uh, my wife included, that uh, do not like cottage cheese. I grew up on cottage cheese, so I can eat it. I haven't had it in a long wait, time. Wait, wait, what? But <laughs> what? Eating co- yeah. I grew up eating cottage cheese. Never knew yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's, I don't know. That's, that's thing, I, right? Yeah. People just eat cottage cheese. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a weird thing to eat. I agree, but it's, I don't think the taste is bad. I thought you were it's going kind of... with the pizza thing because, you know, that's always a controversial thing. People and don't like pineapple putting on it, pizza. Putting pineapple on pizza? Yeah. I was like putting cottage cheese on your pizza. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well, cottage cheese, this is going to be controversial. This is going to piss some people off, but <laughs> cottage cheese and ricotta are very similar to me. They are. And if it's you just could like, put ricotta yeah. in, like, lasagna or... Yeah. Like anything, like you're kind of halfway there. I think there are recipes of lasagna with cottage cheese in it. We're probably just grossing people out saying cottage <laughs> cheese a bunch, but <laughs> why is it called cottage cheese in the first place? Do you make it in a little house or something? They Maybe, do. This, probably. They make it a, there's a little cottage cheese Turn shack in a house that you you make the cheese in. It separates and it's just like if you really think about it, it's just like little like clumps of cheese. It is. And you just this week the cheese. Cottage Maybe cheese they hour. did make it in a cottage house. I don't know. We should All right, Google somebody this. out there that it no, we're gonna do it the hard way. Oh. Tell us on Discord what why it's called cottage cheese. We're not gonna look it up. Somebody else has gotta do that work for us. Yeah, I wanna know exactly why it's called cottage cheese now. So. Or make it up and tell us and we won't know because I don't know why it's called cottage cheese. Oh my gosh. 
I want... It was obeyed by John Cottage <laughs> and his wife, and they, Someone... they named it after themselves. Here's what I think. Somebody what? happened to leave milk in a cottage, and it was a hot day, and it curdled, oh, and it turned into these tiny little like cheese balls. And then they took it to the fridge and thought, oh, this might be good later. And then, boom, cottage cheese was made. So they made it with the invention of, uh, like, refrigerators were already around when they when Probably. cottage cheese was invented. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. In my imagination, yes. That's exactly All how right. it went down. <laughs> okay. Good to know. All right. All right. Let's just say cottage cheese five more times just to get anybody else out that uh, is grossed out by cottage cheese, and then we'll be good. With cottage cheese? Cottage cheese. <laughs> Some people put like, yeah, besides pineapple, I mean, I've seen people put other stuff in there, right? They'll, I don't know. Yeah, orange, fruit. Like tangerine. I like and, the yeah, tangerines and, or mandarins. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Man, I want a snack now. I really want a pineapple float or like a Dole Whip float. But what if you mixed like Jello <sighs> and cottage cheese? Now you've crossed the line. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a 1970s uh, cookbook disaster. I believe that's called ambrosia. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. You know what? That's the food of the gods. <laughs> oh, you got to throw marshmallows in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I know people are yelling at the at their speakers right now. Ambrosia that's doesn't it. have cottage cheese in it. <laughs> it could. I mean, we don't know what the gods eat. That's what ambrosia is. It's like the food of the gods. And that's so they're like, know. all right, ambrosia salad is like, isn't it just jello and stuff? You know yeah, what? what is ambrosia? Like? I don't know. I, I'm going to look it up right now cream? because I want to know. Marshmallows? Uh, whipped cream. It's fruit. We used to put almonds in it, like sliced almonds. Oh, yeah. Is it cool whip or is it actual whipped cream? Mandarin, cool orange, whip. or fresh orange. Whip. Yeah. Yes. Mini marshmallows, coconut, uh-huh. fresher canned coconut. pineapple. It's basically a fruit salad, but with cool whip, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's fruit salad with, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just fruit salad. Whipped cream based dressing. What is this? Nice. This is a too this is a too complicated article to read. <laughs> you know what I saw? Okay, so I'm go- I'm going to go back to TikTok since we're talking about cool whip. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. I don't know if I've ever if I'm ever going to try this, but there's a part of me that wants to try it just because it looked good, yet okay. gross at the same time, but I saw somebody take a whole container of cool whip and then they took a cheesecake jello powder and they mix them together and it solidified into cheesecake cream puff stuff. Uh, okay. In theory, it sounds like, yes, it works, but there's a part of me that feels like it would be too clumpy because I don't think it will, it would fully dissolve inside of the cool whip. So that's probably why they whip it to a liquidy consistency and then they that's why they solidify it back in the fridge or something. But mm-hmm. there's a part of me that wants to try it. I mean, what's yeah. the worst thing that can happen? It's bad and you have to throw it away. You know what? Here you go. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to add on to this. So take graham cracker or like graham crackers, crush it up. Mm-hmm. Put oh, them into Yes. And make it into Damn little it. balls and stuff and just eat them. Dessert. Put them in the freezer. Damn it. You're welcome. Damn it. All right. <laughs> I'll report I mean, back that's, if I yeah, end up trying it. There's a lot of like whipped cream and cool whip based like jello and pudding. Like I'll like a pudding pie that you could make or like a it's kind of like a almost like a chocolate mousse pie you just make with like cool whip and then pudding mix and stuff like that. That's so true. It's, 
it's 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 kind kind of on the same vein. So hopefully it'd be Damn. good. I wish Disney snacks were that easy to make. Like there was some like crazy hacks to like make like a bunch of Disney snacks. I guess the the Dole Whip float is the easiest one, right? I still because haven't gone just... to like Costco or wherever they have the well, Dole Whip uh, in the. Haven't freezer. been able to find them anywhere. So would this be the easiest one? Is not a Dole Whip. But if you buy a can of uh, a jar of pickles and you just have one pickle, <laughs> just there you wrap go. It up in a plastic bag. <laughs> oh, exactly. Just put it in a bag. <laughs> You're welcome. That's funny. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Uh, hey, did you know that if you buy the first pickle of the day, they give you a button that says first pickle of the day with the date on it? No. I just, I we were, <laughs> when the, this last trip we were at, we were talking about pickles because Tina was eating one and we're with a photo fast. Pass for blah, 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 blah. I can't talk today. A photo pass photographer, and she told us that it's at the the pickle stand on Main Street specifically. Oh. Yeah, and if you're the right first one, Starbucks, they yeah. have like a like it's like says like I'm a Disneyland pickle or something, and it yeah, it's a pin. It's so, so funny. It's like I had no yeah, idea that was a thing. There's still some little magic left at Disneyland. I don't care what they say. Damn it! Now, not only do I want a Dole Whip float, now I want fried pickles from Carnation Cafe. Oh, I miss that. Ah, so good. Damn it! <laughs> All right, we got to move on from cottage cheese ambrosia pickle hour because <laughs> we I'm hungry. Just want more snacks, and <laughs> I it is not going to end well for me with all cottage of that. cheese. Cottage <laughs> cheese. So uh, one of the biggest things that we wanted to talk about this week, as you probably saw on the title card of the episode, is the strike that's going on in Hollywood. Uh, The strike has been on a lot of people's minds, and it's probably taking up many people's news feeds right now. This kind of all started back in May, when uh, about 12,000 members of the Writers Guild of America also known as the WGA, had gone on strike uh, over these ongoing labor disputes with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, a.k.a. the AMPTP, a.k.a. the villains, according to the people on strike. Uh, Last week, the members of SAG-AFTRA, which stands for the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, uh, joined the picket line when some of the demands that they were making uh, weren't met. And uh, this is the first time that both of these organizations are striking together since 1960. And that is a long time for some of the things that have been in place to go unchanged. Uh, I've been doing my best to keep up with a lot of the stuff that's been going on because there have been some interesting things at stake during uh, this strike um, that all kind of revolve around better pay and better working conditions, which are very common in in labor strikes. But one of the more game-changing things on the table this time is the potential use of AI. Right. Uh, And we'll get into that a little bit more in a moment, but there's been like tons of information that has just trickled uh, in the news and on all social media platforms, regardless of the platform that you're on. And a lot of that information kind of got muddied up after SAG-AFTRA joined things because 
people didn't know how to respond as far as like how do we support the strike like what do we do where do we stand and this became really important i think for a lot of influencers and a lot of smaller content creators uh we'll get into like the influencer part uh also in a moment but overall your initial thoughts before we dive deeper into the strike situation uh well for ai and we're talking about like with art as well against it and what they were asking these actors writers everybody like everyone who's involved i mean yeah it's not all together but the whole ai situation it's hard it sucks um how can we replace someone a person no you can't just take that take their who they are and then just try to replicate it just so you could go ahead and save some money no 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 pay up yeah union strong baby i uh i i have uh I know quite a few people have friends in in unions. I don't think I know anybody in either the WGA or SAG-AFTRA, but uh, I have quite a few acquaintances and friends that are in IATSE, which is the the stagehands union. Um, IATSE also uh, is in the film and TV. All the the crew and everything for film and TV are IATSE. Um, I'm just reading today that uh, certain IATSE members might be going on strike soon too. So that'll be an interesting thing. This is, uh, I think it's a special, there's a special contract. So it's not all IATSE members, but it was like pink contract, I think was uh, had to do with costumers and dressers and things like that. Uh, it's burgeoning news, so I don't know 100% on it right now. But, um, yeah, the AI stuff is crazy. It's, you know, quote-unquote AI, and and it's really not AI. It's not artificial intelligence is what, you know, AI stands for. It's, it's just, uh, you know, taking other people's work and kind of all mushing, smushing it together to kind of make something else. You know, it's just basically it's all uh, plagiarism if you if you break it down that way, yeah. um, especially for things like writing and imagery and and voices and stuff like that. There there are some tools that are, quote unquote, AI that uh, I think could fall under like, you know, there's uh, one I've used recently was like a, a upscale thing where it like you know took a low res image and and upscaled it by scanning it and i don't know i think there's some tools out there that are labeled ai which really aren't they're just like a tool that they're like let's put ai on it because it sounds cool so um yes uh very much behind the unions and very much uh uh, in support of of everything they're asking for it is uh the bare minimum reasonable to what they're asking for. So I'll jump into the AI thing in a bit, but just to touch on the IATSE thing, uh, I did read that today as well. And as far as I could tell, it looks like the dispute is over the fact that Local One, which is its own union, is generally like a group that works in in theater buildings themselves. They're kind of like the Local One is is New York specific uh IATSE like theater like New York right? City Broadway yeah, yeah. Bro- it's the Broadway and, IATSE okay and so pink contract from my understanding are like the bigger productions your wickeds and your you know your correct Hamiltons and stuff like that and so yep. I, I believe the dispute is over the fact that local one has better 
uh, like a better deal and they get paid more and they have like you know uh better things in their contract than pink contract does and so they're trying to level things out and so Mm -hmm. if pink contract goes to the negotiating table i think local one said that they are willing to stand with them and not cross the picket line so that they're all kind of you know even across the board so it looks like there might be better negotiations happening there and i hope that they get what they need because you're right you know they it's what they deserve right mm-hmm. and that's kind of exactly. where we are with the actor strike here for starters like SAG-AFTRA isn't just actors right mm-hmm. and so we may not know people personally but we may know of people that we watch like on social media or that we've seen like at Disneyland and stuff because SAG-AFTRA is also comprised of like voiceover artists and like different disciplines within you know the acting community uh so you know some of the things that they're asking for it 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 just kind of baffles me you know how it's being treated because some of the things that they're asking for is like an 11 percent increase in their pay the first year second year i think it's like four percent and then third year it's also or like five percent second year four percent third year if i'm not mistaken um and the the studios came back and said, yeah, we'll give you like a 5% increase where the cost of living like in California alone is like 10%, mm-hmm. right? So like an additional 10% is what they would need in order to survive. So that's already kind of not going in the direction that they want. There's been an influx of videos going viral of actors that have been in really big projects. For instance, uh, Kamiko Glenn recently went viral. Kamiko Glenn is one of the, or plays a character on Orange is the New Black. And Orange is the New Black was huge for a really long time. Like it still is one of the biggest properties Mm -hmm. for HBO, I believe. Or is it for Netflix? Netflix. Yeah, for Netflix. And um, uh, she, she showed a residual check and the residual check was for $27.30 for like more than 40 episodes that she appeared in. Mm-hmm. And I think she made the comment on the video like it's not even enough for a, a, a tank of gas. Yeah. Which is true, right? It's not, it's not enough. And like she was one of the more profiled actors on that show. So I guess the common misconception that a lot of, of actors and actresses are really bringing forth is that yeah, you have those that end up making millions of dollars because their agents were able to negotiate these really great contracts for them. But you have all the supporting actors, actresses, like supporting cast for a lot of these productions that don't make that kind of money. And a lot of them are living paycheck to paycheck. In some cases, they're not even able to even get health care because in order to qualify for health care as part of SAG-AFTRA, you have to make $26,000 a year. And they're not even making oh enough to qualify for health care. So the idea, uh, I forgot, who's, I really wish I remember who said this, but uh, I saw a video where somebody was talking exactly about this. And they said, you know, how can you argue that you don't know what's going on or you don't know the like the situation that people are in when it comes to being unfairly paid 
when uh, you say, hey, I'm going to be an actor, and generally the first question that comes out of their mouth is, well, what's your backup plan? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're getting a question like, what's your backup plan, is because there's a doubt in that person's mind that you won't be able to make enough money to survive, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's even a question, then why are you also questioning why they're fighting for higher pay? You see? So I've been trying to consume the content to try to learn about everything that's been going on and try to figure out like how we best fit into this and how we can support the unions. It got really muddy for Mm -hmm. a really long time trying to figure this out because in general, it was just kind of like the actors boycotting the studios, right? Like the big studios, the members of uh, the AMPTP, which is like Disney, Paramount, Universal, Amazon, Apple, like the really big studios, right? Right. And what complicated things is the fact that SAG-AFTRA has an influencer agreement in place. And the reason that they have an influencer agreement in place is so that if you tend to get like really good jobs, like if you can get contracts to like to support yourself as a creator, as an influencer, SAG-AFTRA has a way for you to join their union and count your influencing stuff towards your membership. Like you still have to pay the fees and you still have to do what other members do for that stuff. But uh, there is a way for you to qualify to be a member of the union using the stuff that you do as an influencer. Will all influencers do it? Probably not. Um, But it's there if you want to add that level I hate to say it like this, but if you want to add that level of legitimacy to your your profession as an influencer, right? Yeah. yeah. And so where it got muddy is we're small content creators, but we're content creators nonetheless. And we want to support the union. And before SAG-AFTRA started providing guidance as to how we can do that, there was a lot of information uh, regarding being a scab, you know. And uh, Andrew, do you want to explain real quick what uh, being a scab is to people? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, a scab is basically crossing the picket line. This is uh, if you're part of the union and then you still go to work, that's a scab. Or if you are brought in to replace somebody from the union that is striking you're a scab and then there's you know from what i could understand it seems to mostly apply to if you're getting paid by the studio or whatever entity is strike getting striked upon Mm -hmm. uh that uh you're getting paid by them to either promote something of theirs or basically replace a job that a striking member uh, would be doing if they weren't on strike. So right. you're 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 basically supporting the other team. You're 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 going against in any way the the strikers and for the strikees, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And one key thing about that is there was a lot of people confused about whether or not you had to be a part of the union to be considered a scab. And the answer is no. Like, you don't have to be union. Like Andrew said, it's just whether or not you're taking a job that would have been taken 
by a union member and if you're getting paid by a studio to promote something. That's what essentially makes you a scab. But before there was any type of official guidance, you know, I I was going like super crazy trying to figure out like where do we fit in? Like if we talk about Disney content, are we considered that or are we crossing? Like yeah, we where's did our line? Ask that. Right? Yeah. And so um, I'm still learning. I don't think we have all of the answers yet. So mm-hmm. if anybody that's part of the union can help us kind of decipher that stuff, you know, if we're doing anything that goes against it, you know, please let us know. We'll be happy to change what we're doing in order to, you know, better support what you're going through right now. But that's been one of the biggest questions. Like where do like content creators fit in? Right. And there are content creators that get paid by studios to promote projects Mm -hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact because there wasn't guidance you know available i don't know you know i guess anybody can say anything they want right they can say that a contract existed before but one one thing that's come out is if you had an existing contract prior to the strike starting SAG-AFTRA is requesting that you fulfill your commitment for that contract. So if you're promoting something that was under a a contractual obligation obligation prior to the strike, you're not being a scab. You're not crossing the picket line. And that's uh, that's a very important thing to remember, that some people might be doing this under contract that previously existed. Only SAG knows for sure if that's the case, right? We don't know because we're not privy to those contacts or those contracts. But uh, keep that in mind. Uh, there's been a lot of attacking of people across the board because, again, there wasn't any guidance, you know, to follow. So, and I think that's where I was trying to figure out, like, where do we fit in, right? Because right. one of the biggest films that we've been looking forward to for a really long time is going to get released very soon. Right. And Mm -hmm. because of the strike, they're not they didn't have like a big world premiere that featured all of the art, like all of the actors and everybody that was involved in the film. Instead, they ended up having a world premiere in the park with characters from the park. And then the question started coming up like, well, are those cast members scabs now? Are the characters scabs? Uh my understanding is no because they technically work as cast members for the company and because you don't know who it is under the costume essentially mm-hmm. right. that there's no way for them to verify it and this is the case for for characters like Mickey and Minnie for instance it might be a little easier to figure out for like Maleficent or for yeah like a, a Cruella DeVille uh, but I don't think they fall into the same category because they're private employees, non-union for the company. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think that I, I again, I'm not sure the the parks have have unions all throughout too. There's you know IOTC's in there, and I'm pretty sure there's um, uh, Agva is in there. The uh, American, the Variety Artists uh, Guild mm. of America, whatever it is. Um, uh, I think that they they uh, are part of like uh, I think possibly parade performers. I'm really not sure. I'd I'd love to know what unions are in the park. Um, but so they might be just their whole other union, 
And, you know, when the premiere changed, it was kind of a, oh, well, we're flipped to this kind of thing. So, yeah, it's again, it's hard. It's it's hard when there's like I can't just go ask like dear SAG-AFTRA, what can I do? <laughs> like, you know, they're I mean, kind of busy right now. No, yeah, we're, it seems. we're learning as we go because things change almost every day um, yeah. or every other day. So I, it's kind of hard to want to talk about something because, again, we don't want to cross that line. Like I said, we're learning as we go. The one thing, if they know who's being the characters in the park, I hope people are not attacking. Like, we don't know the situation. We don't know anything. No one knows anything. Like, if they were contracted, maybe they were. But that's, you know, not really our part to go and say, hey, you're a scab because you were doing this. Please don't attack them. Like, be nice. These characters also could have... They, that could have been the plan all along. Maybe, like, yeah. Those characters could have also just been a p- part of it the whole time. So right. they wouldn't have been taking, you know, because there'd just be background whatever. So, so uh, you know, cast members from the movie could take pictures with Mickey and Minnie and what what have you. So they that could have just been part of it. And if that's the case, then that's not taking away from anybody because it was already a part of it in theory. Yeah. So it's... Again, we're only speaking with what limited knowledge we have. Yeah. And where it gets really like into this gray area is, again, with with going to these premieres or going to events where you don't know if somebody was already under contract. Like, And I'm speaking specifically about like influencers and stuff like that that are going to these events, right? Mm-hmm. If they were already under contract, then again, they're just fulfilling a contract that they already had to appear and cover the event. Right. If if they took the offer to cover the event after the strike started, then they could be considered a scab. Correct. Because yep. then Correct. they took the job that they didn't have before. And I know that there is a huge community of people that may see this as like their one big break to get a chance to cover something like this or uh, an opportunity to do stuff that not a lot of other people are going to get a chance to do. But if you ever plan on becoming part of the union or if you want to be a voice actor or, you know, a dancer or, you know, just part of the entertainment industry, at some point you're going to want to join one of these unions to support you. And if they see that you're crossing the picket line now, you're burning those bridges. Oh, yes. You know, so for anyone that doesn't know, be careful. You know, if you can avoid it, then just don't burn your bridges. If that's your goal in life, right, to be a part of this entertainment industry at some point. Also, just don't do it anyway. Don't be a scab. Yeah, yeah, just don't do it and just support what's going on, right? And that's where we kind of fall in, right? I don't think mm-hmm. that any of, I mean, you know, Andrew aside working in theater, you know, like I don't have aspirations to be a part of sag After, but uh, I do believe in what they're fighting for, you know, and Absolutely. I'm going to support them as best I can. And, you know, I'm going to do, you know, what we have to do in order to, to stand strong with the union and their choices because, <clears throat> you know, it's really hard 
as a Disney fan when certain things happen because I think as as Disney fans sometimes we have these weird blinders on, right? Mm-hmm. I've yeah. I've gone on record as saying that I've used the parks as a way of shielding me from the outside world. You're you know, not alone. Using it as as a happy place to forget about the worries and the strife, you know, of everything that's happening. But it can also be bad because I think back on the cast member strikes, you know, that that have been ongoing and that have happened in the past. And honestly, I feel bad not supporting them more, thinking back on now more of what I I know. I know those weren't really covered, so it was, I think, a, a little bit harder. But learning that in some situations there's cast members that are living out of their car because they don't have a living wage, that's upsetting right these are the people that we that that make the magic for for us as guests and they're not living anywhere near a magical life right and so it's Mm -hmm. i guess what it comes down to is you know how much empathy do you have for the people that you know create the magic and this goes beyond like into Hollywood, right? It's it's the the Hollywood magic that that we all enjoy as well. For me, it's been really rough listening to a lot of the the talking points because you know, I've I've talked about how I've admired Bob Iger and how he like took the company and like he built this, you know, empire. Granted, I've also admitted that I feel like he made some mistakes along the way and you know, the more that I learn, the more that I know, I kind of reform my opinion every so often. And thinking back on reading his book and to hear him say some of the things that he said this last week about the strike was genuinely upsetting to me. Like as a Disney fan, it was genuinely upsetting because it goes against, you know, what cast members are supposed to stand for you know what i mean like yeah no you're I, you're I, not like, alone it's very i'm just gonna say it's tone deaf it is very tone deaf what he says and it's almost in a way where it's just ignorant where you could just see that while you're probably sitting in your mansion and it's mm-hmm. like are you serious in your private jet exactly. with all the other private jets that were you know, with all the other billionaires. Yeah. Just because you're comfortable in your situation right now, it's like, sure, you could be comfortable, but everyone is struggling from big time actors to, you know what, us little people. They're, the little people are the people who actually deserve it the most because they're the brains behind all the shows, the movies the effects, everything that you've seen in movies, shows, whatever. Those are the people that actually need that. So, I i mean, when we were talking about this, and I read it, it's like, oh, uh, you know those feelings when you're like, you're not a violent person? But, oh, my gosh, you could just feel your blood going up because it's like, are you kidding me? No. I actually have the comment to read, by the way, because I felt the same way that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, like I told you both, 
you know, before we started recording, like I was genuinely hurt by the comments, especially knowing how big of a supporter I've been of Bob Iger and his decisions to to kind of feel betrayed. Like I'm not even a cast mm-hmm. member and I kind of feel betrayed. Right. But mm-hmm. he conducted this interview with CNBC's David Faber, Faber. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, but he interviewed him at the Sun Valley Conference. And uh, like the Sun Valley Conference is jokingly known as summer camp for billionaires because it's where, oh, nice. yeah, it's where like all the Silicon Valley execs meet up and like all the elite CEOs and, you know, like the powerful people in the industry meet up to to talk money and stuff. And so they were having this interview in this super picturesque, like, valley. And I pulled this from an article in Fortune, but this was the quote. He said, It's very disturbing to me. We've talked about disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges we're facing. The recovery from COVID, which is ongoing, it's not completely back. This is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption. I understand any labor organization's desire to work on behalf of its members to get the most compensation and to be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We managed as an industry to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We wanted to do the same thing with the writers, and we'd like to do the same with the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. And they are uh, and they are adding to the set of challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very disruptive. For his yeah, see, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So here's the thing. It's I'm sure it's always been like this, but I've not really, you know, paid attention to much of this till now. But everything is just shareholder, 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 this shareholder, that Bingo. like like everything is it's all about the mighty dollar and that's you know what capitalism is so okay but at some point there's got to be a balance of we want to be the company that treats our people well versus we want to be the company that just makes all the money because if you want to make all the money then you probably shouldn't be you know doing you know go make pharmaceuticals or whatever because that seems to make a lot of money. But right. you're in this creative industry that requires all of this, you know, talent uh, from all different aspects. And these people's creations that they come up with in their own brain and write down on paper or act out or whatever is filmed and then put in front of audiences. And then these people can watch them. If forever you can watch you could they're streamed on online on apps on Disney plus on wherever they're they're on cable channels they're just everywhere and you're trying to say that they're it's like okay one and done when you're making money off this person's face or this person's words or this person's whatever uh, artistic expression multiple times a day multiple times an hour depending on how many people are streaming or watching that thing how can you say that their value is disruptive that their their life that their needs are disruptive to your shareholder expectations oh sorry we only made 
X and X billions of dollars in profit this year overall on the company. This one sector might be doing great, but it's only made this MX of billions or millions of dollars. What will we ever do? It's kind of bizarre to... I mean, I I understand where his mindset is, and it's again, it's the it's all the money stuff. But there needs to be a point where you step back and value a company not just on if they make the most money, but if they make the best product, they have the happiest employees. There's all different metrics that you can rate a company on you know, being the best company in X and Y field or whatever. Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, I make the most money because there there can only be one company that makes the most money. But you can be valuable in the public perception, and you would think that that is more important than, you know, just the money alone you you would want to be that's the dance that i thought bob Iger was trying to do is is balance the what the shareholders want versus what public perception is and with this interview it kind of seems that he's not really doing the dance he's just being the shareholder man um also all this stuff could be uh a little more digestible if these companies would release their numbers for streaming because they they just say oh well we're struggling because of covid and numbers and da 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 and industry but it's like but there's they're not telling anybody what the numbers are for streaming what this they just can arbitrarily say whatever they want and we just have to believe them they're not releasing any actual factual figures so it, how do we know if these, you know, streaming services, you know, are people watching this a hundred times? Are they watching a hundred million times? They can just mm-hmm. say whatever they want. Unlike, you know, regular cable TV and stuff. They have those Nielsen boxes and whatever to kind of gauge who's watching what. So it's all just like. No receipts. It's like a, it's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you can't prove it, you know, they can't, you know, they can't. Uh, if you don't have the receipts, you can't prove we lied. Um, so that, that's, that's what these people are fighting for if, because if they can't have their cake and eat it too, because they're saying streaming, it's so struggling. It's, it's, you know, we're still not making the money on streaming. It's so downhill, da, da, da. And then at the shareholder meetings, they say streaming, it's the best thing. We make so much money. Hooray for streaming. It's they've they've dug their own grave with the streaming thing. Like everybody decided to hop on the streaming bandwagon and they're like, this is the this is the new frontier. And it apparently is not working out so well for them. So who knows what's going to happen? But uh, yeah, just pay pay them what they want. They if if you don't pay these actors and writers to do their job, then you won't have a product to sell. And that might be a little bit worse than uh, making a little bit less money. And it's really not that much money that they're asking for. So there's a big, long-winded thing from me. So three things. Um, I want to just bullet point them right now because I don't I want to make sure that we touch on them. But Mm -hmm. uh, one, I want to make sure we get back to the AI thing. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Two, uh, I want to quickly just uh, add something to the streaming service thing uh, and about, you know, what they're asking for monetarily, right? Like money-wise, mm-hmm. I, I want to touch on that. So I'll start with the streaming services. Like you said, they're struggling, right? Uh, I think with the exception of Netflix, really all the services are losing money. And this is something that we've talked about on the podcast before. Um But I want to make it clear that as of the recording of this episode, one thing that we know is that SAG-AFTRA is not recommending that you cancel your subscriptions to any of these services as part of a boycott Uh, because these services uh, are losing money. And if a bunch of people begin to cancel, they can take the stance of having even less money than they did before because of the canceled subscriptions and then they'll be unable to meet the demands because of their sudden drop you know, in revenue. So it's a tactic that I think Universal may already be taking because one of the things that they did this week is they sent out an email to Peacock subscribers saying that they're raising the price of Peacock. And it's funny that it's happening right in the middle of the strike prompting people to possibly cancel because there's no new shows. There isn't anything that, you know, it has a buzz around it to say, hey, we're going to keep Peacock for this or for that, right? And so it could be a tactic that they're using to try to trigger this event and use that as an excuse. So as of right now, it's not being recommended that you cancel any of these services. We can't tell you one way or another to keep them, obviously, because only you know your financial situation. But I did want to mention this in the event that if you saw that email from Peacock, you know, and your first thought was to cancel, just something for you to keep in mind if you want to stand with the unions. Uh, as far as the money thing is concerned, uh, I, I'm i struggling to remember where I saw it, but, and I, I might be misquoting this. I'm going to try to find it so that I can make a correction if I need to, but you know, the money that the actors are asking for, I'm just going to use Disney as an example for this, right? But uh, I believe it was calculated that it would be 1% of the revenue per year that Disney would have to lose in order to give the unions everything that they're asking for. 1% of the revenue. If that number is correct, that makes this whole thing even more upsetting. Again, I don't remember the exact numbers. But... If that number is correct, then it it does make it more upsetting, right? Because before Bob Iger left the company, when he handed it over to Bob Chapek, he made $46 million. Mm -hmm. Then he comes back and he has the potential of bringing in $27 million through his base salary and annual incentives. You know, some of the other CEOs for these companies, you know, Ted Sarandos and Greg Peters of Netflix are co-CEOs after Reed Hastings stepped down early in the, earlier this year. Ted Sarandos is making like $40 million and Greg Peters could make up to like $35 million, I believe, as part of his contract. Uh, Ari Emanuel, the CEO of Endeavor, who n- not only owns things like UFC, but just acquired WWE as one of their properties... He's he's bringing in three hundred and eight million dollars, right? Jeez. So these companies have the money to just bend a little bit to help people that are struggling, 
right? And that's what this mm-hmm. entire thing is about. So uh, again, I don't know the exact numbers, but I somebody took the time to break down like what percentage of annual revenue it would be if each one of these companies would just give uh, the unions what they want for the projects that are associated with their studios. Um, I'm going to try to find that so that I can you know, post it either on Discord or we can post it on social media, talk about it in the next episode if we have to. But uh, I thought that was worth mentioning as well. Uh, So now wrapping back to the whole AI thing. Listen, I'm a fan of AI, Mm -hmm. right? I believe that there is a time and place to use it. I believe that it can supplement a lot of the things that you're doing. It could be used as a learning tool. It can be used, you know, to, for a lot of things, quite frankly, um, and a lot of the, a lot of the applications that I've considered, uh, all have to do with some kind of practical use to provide a service for somebody. But in this case, the the way that it's being brought to the table during the strike is, the studios want to be able to scan an actor's face, and essentially own their likeness. In perpetuity which means that if you have a dream of becoming an actor you know and you go to one of these studios and this happens to be the case right this now is common practice and you go you have your face scanned because you're gonna be a part of the next big movie as an extra and you think that that's your foot in they're gonna give you two hundred dollars to scan your face, and then they're going to own you and your likeness, which means you won't be able to go do any projects because this studio now owns you. They can artificially add you using AI to any production as a background. If it evolves at some point, they might be able to even use it for main characters. We've seen what AI can do you know, when bringing characters to life and making characters look younger. And we've seen it in The Mandalorian. We've seen it in Indiana Jones. We've seen it Mm -hmm. in, like, all these projects that we talk about. So for a studio to own your likeness in perpetuity means that you're going to make one fee at the beginning of your career, and that is also the end of your career because you're never going to be able to get work because you don't own your face anymore. And that's what the unions are fighting against. That's like one of the biggest things, you know, if this is going to happen, like they want some say in it. They want to be able to say what projects they go into. They want to be able to get paid for stuff like that. And the studios just want it all. Right. The other thing is they want for the writers to use AI to write scripts. And one thing I can tell you about using AI for stuff is it's not great. No. It's very basic. Like Andrew said, it aggregates data from many places around the internet and it tries to formulate responses based on the data that it acquires. And in a way, it's kind of plagiarism. I don't remember which service it was, but there were image services that were crawling different artists and we're using that artist's work to generate new images and so there's been lawsuits with it ai is not flawless and andrew made a really great point earlier when he was talking about how you could slap the term ai on anything because it's a buzzword and all of a sudden you know it seems to have this like notoriety of being like the next big thing but you can also hide ai 
and use it in applications that aren't labeled as AI. You know, you talked about this. Um, what was the tool that you said uh, exists like to make an upscale, image bigger? Upscale. Yeah, right? upscale, yeah. yeah. So Photoshop, or is it, I, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's Photoshop or Lightroom, but you can upscale images that look fantastic in the new version of this software. On top of that, Photoshop has a brand new generative fill where you can start off with a blank canvas, provide a couple of prompts, and it'll just generate a scene that looks amazing. You can replace things in photos. You can remove things in photos. And there's plenty of videos showing photographers using this new tool to to help them edit photos, like wedding photos and stuff that would painstakingly take hours, if not days, to remove things from. Mm -hmm. So there are valid applications that I think could be helpful, you know? Can we take it too far? Yeah, we could take anything too far, right? <laughs> yeah. But the way that the studios want to be able to control AI is just kind of nuts. No, it's if you have yeah. AI write a script, a as a matter of fact, uh, one of the YouTubers I follow, Casey Neistat, performed an experiment and he asked ChatGPT to write a Casey Neistat video script. And so he did everything that the script said. Like he followed it and it was one of the most soulless things he's ever created. <laughs> it was just very plain. It was basic. Like all the prompts were there, like all the transitions, all the types of cuts, everything that he normally does. Mm -hmm. But the dialogue and the spirit of what a Casey Neistat video is and what people know it to be wasn't there. So, I mean, again, I'm a fan of AI. You know, I love technology. I love experimenting with new stuff like this. But there, there, there is a dark side to technology. And when it's acquired for use for stuff like this, if this becomes a thing in Hollywood, means that it could cause a chain reaction for other industries to try to do the same. You know? And yep. there's already a little bit of a fear of, you know, programmers saying that they're going to be replaced by AI. And, you know, there there is some there are some people that are fighting against it. I do think we need some kind of regulation against AI. I think that, you know, there's there's only so far you can take it before it becomes a problem. Right. A again, in the wrong hands, it's going to cause a chain reaction of events that is going to hurt a lot of other industries, not just Hollywood, because CEOs of other industries are going to say, well, Hollywood got away with it. We should do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this is one of the things that I think uh, has really interested me as far as, you know, what comes from this strike. If that I know is going to be one of the hardest things fought for when it comes to, you know, what the unions want. So, I mean, we keep hearing news about, you know, people going on strike in, in front of studios. They've been at Amazon, in front of Disney, in front of Universal. Uh, as far as I know, the only uh, studio that's maybe that has uh, taken to some not-so-great tactics so far is Universal. Uh, the, the people that were striking, walking up and down the street... 
came to find that uh, the streets were kind of torn up and there were uh, those safety walls up because of construction so that they couldn't walk on the sidewalk anymore. They would have to walk on the street. On top of that, L.A. is in the middle of a heat wave and Mm -hmm. the trees that were on the street where they were kind of posted were all trimmed by Universal. They were pruned in a way that is not beneficial for the trees. They were also uh, pruned in a month where it's not healthy for the tree to be pruned on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On top of that, there is now an investigation because the Los Angeles controller said that those trees are actually managed by the city. They're not on Universal's property, and so apparently they may have broken tree laws. And so now it's becoming a bigger issue because it seems that Universal is starting to use some tactics to try to break down uh, some of the union members that are on strike. And this is kind of on the heels of one, I, I, I wish I remember who said it, but apparently there was some leaked documents from one of the studios where I believe one of the CEOs had said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, we're gonna, this is all gonna come to an end in October when everybody has lost their home, they don't have money to eat, and they basically have to come begging back to us for their jobs. Uh, again, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I can find the exact quote and post it if you're really interested in hearing it, but that's that's kind of super villainish. <laughs> oh, it yeah. is. Right? It is. You know? So there's so many things going on with this strike that are just disturbing you know and uh wrapping back to the whole influencer thing you know the the influencers that are taking the jobs knowing that this is going on they're getting paid by the studio and it may not even be that you're getting money it could be that you're getting a hotel room or that you're getting the free cupcakes that you get when you attend these events uh if you're crossing the picket line to cover something you're going to be seen as a scab, you know, again, unless you had some kind of contractual obligation, be careful, especially if you plan on joining a union or being an actor, being a dancer, being a voice actor, whatever the case is, you know, make sure that you don't cross that line because it's just horrible all the way across. But I hate to say it, but this is still kind of still developing, right? Because although the writer strike yeah. has been going on since May, SAG-AFTRA has only been a part of the strike for about a week, and things keep changing. They keep updating their guidelines, and so we're going to continue to keep track of it, and we're going to keep supporting as best we can. As far as I know, uh, we're still trying to get some answers ourselves, right? Because we know that we can't... Uh, cover go to events but for us that's not a big problem because we don't get invited to events so (laughs) on that front we're okay right now (laughs) Um, but we're still trying to figure out what can we cover what what should we not cover like is a film from you know like if we want to cover freaky friday on disney plus like should we cover it should we talk about it Um, right as far as i know if a film was released or if a film was already planned SAG after still recommending that you support it. You could still go watch it. You know, you could still talk about it because it's still supporting the actors that were in it. That way they could still make money. 
uh, with the streaming services, like we mentioned earlier, they're not asking for a boycott of them. Keep using them so that the numbers remain intact so that the studios can see that there's still an interest and people still use the services. So again, where it gets a little muddy for us is we're still trying to understand what we can cover and and like what we can and can't cover and still remain, you know, in support of what the union is asking for. So uh, I don't know how much things are going to change until this gets resolved. Uh, if we need to pivot for a few weeks or a month or two or whatever the case is, we will, you know, yeah. we'll find things to cover. Uh, I don't know if wrestling is going to be on there because uh, I don't, I guess maybe they're reality TV because they have writers. They're all considered actors technically, but they might right. be reality TV. Oh, I just, ugh, I just remember I know, that the last time there was a strike, we got reality TV. Ugh, mm-hmm. I just felt sick. I can't imagine where that's going to go next. <laughs> The Real Housewives of uh, Fort Lauderdale. I don't know. It's going to be <laughs> something weird. Uh, here but we yeah, go. Keep it, yeah, yeah, union strong. Keep it. Uh, keep up the good fight out there, folks. Yes. If if anybody union members are out there listening, we stand with you. Um, and if you don't stand with the union, uh, we're not a big fan of you. I'll say it right now. Yes. <laughs> I don't care. If you don't stand with the union, you might as well uh, not be listening to podcasters. Right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> making yeah, blanket and, statements over here. But yes. No, I agree with you. I agree with yeah. you. And really, what it comes down to is um, we're, we're learning as we go along, right? I, I, I know I said that, are. but if there's anything that you know, we're incorrect about, or if there's another thing that we can do to better support, please let us know, especially if you're part of the union and you can help us decipher some of the, the guidance that's been laid out by SAG-AFTRA. Because again, this isn't, this isn't just about what the actors are going through right now, right? You know, there are things that are being fought for that can change multiple industries. And, all that's being asked for is, you know, fair wages, being able to live without worrying about where your next meal is going to come from. Or, you know, in California, making if you're in California, making sure that you can pay your rent, you know, have enough for a, a tank of gas or whatever to get to your next audition. So I know that's yeah. uh, I know it's a lot more than that. You know, uh, I can link the PDF that SAG-AFTRA has released that has a lot of their demands and what some of the answers were, if you're interested in reading that. But man, it is crazy. Like, I, I went through some of the document, and some of the things that are getting rejected just don't make sense. Like, I, I think one of the things was they wanted higher, like, penalties for when studios don't force you to take a break after a certain amount of time uh and they straight yeah, up missed, just rejected missed it. breaks missed missed meal missed break miss yeah it's, so yeah there's there's a state law minimum and then there for missed meals and missed breaks because i mean i know this just from from working in general if your um company forces you to work through your your lunch and you don't you you get compensated for that a, a lot a missed meal penalty is a lot and if you, you know, film shoots and TV shoots are long days and they don't want to take a break. But it's like people got to eat. People got to pee. People got to do all kinds of stuff. You can't just be work, work, work for 
up to 16 hours, you know, on some of these these things. So it's yeah. Yep. It's it's pretty uh pretty bad. Yeah. So again, we'll post a link to that. Um the SAG After website is really the best place to uh, to check out if you want to keep track of everything that's been going on. I know that there's a lot of stuff floating around on social media. Uh, we are in no way experts. Again, we're still learning as we go. We're trying to keep up as best that we can with all of the changes. But sagafter.org is where you want to go to get uh, all guidance or all the news directly from the unions and the organization if you're interested in how you can also support and also the WGA as well. They're the other. Oh, right. The WGA site as well is, is a great resource. So uh, if you have any comments, please feel free to join us on Discord. We'd love to hear your thoughts on anything that we talked about. We're going to jump into our history segment again. This, I don't think any of what we're talking about is part of like the struck content that we're not supposed to I would to hope talk so. About. It's from... Because, from a while ago. Yeah, because we're talking about historical stuff. Again, we're still learning. If yeah. we need to modify temporarily, we will. Uh, if there's somebody out there that can better guide us, please let us know. But in the meantime, we're going to proceed with most of the stuff that we do according to how we best understand the guidance that's currently laid out for us. And as far as we can tell continuing with great moments with Mr. Andrew does not put us in a place where we're crossing the picket line. So uh, without further ado, the great Mr. Andrew. Hey, let's, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, uh, we'll take it on a little lighter note here. Hopefully, I don't know. We'll see. I don't remember what I wrote in this, but uh, the years <laughs> this week are uh, 1979 and 1980. You know, I, I don't just do this off the dome. There's uh, there, I write it all out. So I, I have the points. It would be amazing if I could. But um, yes, no, this is written. So uh, here we go for the films in 1979, uh, September 13th. Three leading animators, including Don Bluth, leave Walt Disney Productions. And the next day, 11 more animators follow. Uh, the group forms a new studio, Don Bluth Productions. Um, also in September of 1979, Walt Disney Productions Japan is formed. Uh, the films released in 1979 are January 1st, Take Down. February 9th, The North Avenue Irregulars. June 27th, The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again. July 26th, Unidentified Flying Oddball, Jeepers, that's a, <laughs> that's a name, and December 21st, The Black Hole. Uh, the release of The Black Hole marks the first Disney film to be rated PG, costing $20 million to produce. The film would also be Disney's most expensive film ever up to that point. Uh, for TV in 1979, NBC airs nine episodes of The Wonderful World of Disney. The final episode of The Wonderful World of Disney aired on September 2nd. The show was rebranded as Disney's Wonderful World, and NBC aired four episodes of that this year. For theme parks in 1979, in April, Disney signs a 45-year contract with the Oriental Land Company for Tokyo Disneyland. In May, groundbreaking begins for Epcot Center and Walt Disney World. On July 4th, the first baby is born at Disneyland, Teresa Salcedo, born to Rosa and Elias Salcedo of Los Angeles. 
On September 2nd, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad opens in Frontierland at Disneyland. It costs $15.8 million to build. Some of the mine train through Nature's Wonderland buildings are kept as a set for the mining town. The 104-foot-high California version is based on the Hoodoo Rock Formation of Bryce Canyon, Utah. There are six trains that run on Big Thunder Mountain named You Are Courageous, I Am Brave, I Am Bold, You Are Fearless, I Be Hardy, and You Are Daring. The ride is seen as a changing of the guard at Disneyland. Uh, old original Imagineer Mark Davis lost out uh, on his greatest attraction concept, Thunder Mesa, to young and up-and-coming Imagineer Tony Baxter. And his more exciting Mind Train uh, project pushed him to the front of Disney Imagineering. And while the ride was being built, Davis retired from Disney on October 22nd. Oh, Davis retired from Disney. That's the end of that sentence. On October 22nd, Walt Disney World welcomes its 100th million guest, Kurt Miller. Other notable events of 1979, Disney sells the Celebrity Sports Center in Denver, Colorado. The sports facility had been used for training new employees for Walt Disney World. Bradley introduced the Disco Mickey Watch package, including a 45 RPM recording of Disco Mouse by the Mouseketeers. In New York City, a stage show of Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves opens at Radio City Music Hall. And we have a few notable artists joining the company this year. Tim Burton, John Lasseter, Mike Gabriel, and the now VP of Imagineering, Joe Lazisnero. Uh, Birthdays for uh, 1979 are uh, January 6th, Christella Alonso, March 9th, Oscar Isaac, May 4th, Lance Bass, June 21st, Chris Pratt. Uh, June 24th, Mindy Kaling. August 3rd, Evangeline Lilly. October 20th, John Krasinski. December 3rd, Tiffany Haddish. December 7th, Eric Bauza. December 29th, Diego Luna. And notable deaths of 1979, January 5th, the original voice of Pete, Billy Bletcher. And September 12th, the first of Walt's nine old men, Les Clark. Uh, that brings us to 1980. For film in 1980, the Academy nominates the film The Black Hole for two Oscars, one in the category Cinematography and the other in the category of Visual Effects. Steven Linsberger and Donald Kushner visit Tom Wa- uh, Willett, uh, Disney Vice President for Motion Picture Productions, showing them the idea for the movie Tron. Willett authorizes an investment of $50,000 to study uh, computer technology applied to movies. Uh, Ron Miller, head of film production at Disney, buys the rights uh, to turn the book Who Censored Roger Rabbit into a movie. Production begins on the film The Black Cauldron. And in October, Disney first releases some video cassettes for sale and rental in beta and VHS format. The titles include On Vacation with Mickey Mouse and Friends, The Apple Dumpling Gang, The Black Hole, The Love Bug, Escape to Witch Mountain, Hot Lead and Cold Feet, Mary Poppins, Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, The North Avenue Irregulars, Pete's Dragon, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and Bedknobs and Broodsticks. Uh, Films released that year, February 8th, Midnight Madness, April 17th, The Watcher in the Woods, June 26th, uh, Herbie Goes Bananas and The Last Flight of Noah's Ark. July 30th, Donald Duck Goes West. And December 12th, the co-production with Paramount, Robin Williams' Popeye. Uh, For TV in 1980, on March 6th, CBS airs the special Kraft Salutes Disneyland's 25th Anniversary, starring Danny Kaye. 
On March 16th, the first closed caption television series are broadcast in the U.S. Uh, the ABC Sunday Night Movie, The Wonderful World of Disney, and Masterpiece Theater. Uh, and on October 28th, 30 former Mouseketeers take part in filming a TV special for the 25th anniversary of the Mickey Mouse Club, including appearing on a parade float down Disneyland's Main Street, and NBC airs nine episodes of Disney's Wonderful World. For theme parks in 1980, on January 28th, the Industrial Bank of Japan announces it and nearly 30 other Japanese banks have agreed to loan money to the Oriental Land Company to build a $300 million Disney theme park in Tokyo. In February, Eastman Kodak signs a 10-year contract with Disney to sponsor the Imagination Pavilion at Epcot Center. The Make-A-Wish Foundation grants its first official wish, a trip to Disneyland for seven-year-old Frank Salazar, and the Pony Farm at Disneyland is renamed the Circle D Corral. On July 17th, Disneyland turns 25. On September 14th, the Mickey Mouse Review in the Magic Kingdom closes. On September 23rd, the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad opens in Frontierland at Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. And on December 3rd, in Tokyo, Japan, a groundbreaking ceremony is held on the site for Tokyo Disneyland. Other notable events of 1980. On June 3rd, Don Tatum retires as chairman and CEO of Walt Disney Productions, becoming uh, chairman of the executive committee. In turn, Card Walker is elected chairman of Walt Disney Productions, and then Card Walker names Ron Miller as president and COO of Walt Disney Productions. Also this year, Walt Disney Productions announces the creation of new divisions, Walt Disney Motion Picture and Television Production Division, Walt Disney Outdoor Recreation Division, and Walt Disney Marketing Division. The French Olympics adopts Goofy as its official mascot, and animator Irving Ludwig retires after 40 years with Disney. Uh, also joining the company this year is Tony Anselmo, current voice actor for Donald Duck and uh, animator on Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Uh, the birthdays for 1980, we have January 16th, Lin-Manuel Miranda, January 17th, Zoe Deschanel, January 18th, Jason Siegel, uh, February 12th, Christina Ritchie, February 17th, Jason Ritter, April 26th, Channing Tatum, May 2nd, Ellie Kemper, July 18th, Kristen Bell, September 13th, Ben Savage, November 12th, Ryan Gosling, December 18th, Christina Aguilera, and December 19th, Jake Gyllenhaal. And that has been it for 1979 and 1980 here on Great Moments with uh, me, Mr. Andrew. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. Right on. Yay. Stuff <laughs> happened. People were it's born. It's so funny. People were born. Yeah, people were born. <laughs> it's so funny that we're only a couple of episodes, I mean, a couple years away or a couple segments of Great Moments with Mr. Andrew away from Michael Eisner taking over and Michael Eisner, I think in the eyes of many is seen as like, you know, the villain of Disney because of things that he did. And, you know, the more that I learn about Eisner, like I think a lot of that is a myth, obviously, but it's so funny that we're getting to him becoming the CEO and we're currently going through what we're going through with Bob Iger. So it's just, yeah, let's say bring, bring Eisner back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're about the same age, I'm pretty sure, Iger and Eisner. I wonder if he would want the job. <laughs> I don't know. He seems pretty content doing his trading cards or whatever he's up to now. All right. 
All right. Uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap up this episode? Nope. 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 I think we, we said it. Union strong. Yep. That's it. Right on. All right. So, uh, again, I want to reiterate a couple things. Uh, if there's anything that we got wrong, again, we're we're kind of going by w- how we've interpreted the guidance that's currently available to us. So if there's anybody that's part of the union, anyone that's in touch with, you know, what the guidance is, please let us know if there's anything we can help to correct. Uh, we do stand with what's happening right now with the unions, and we want to continue to support as best we can. You know, in the grand scheme of all of this, we're just small content creators you know but a lot of what we do is based on the foundation of hollywood productions our content is deeply rooted in talking about the disney company and all of the properties under their umbrella which includes disney animation pixar marvel lucasfilm you know just to name a few we have stories to enjoy and to talk about on our platform because of the writers and the actors that are involved in all of these projects. Even when we're talking about the parks, uh, we love to remind ourselves and others that it all started with a mouse, a mouse on a screen. You know, so when the idea of Disneyland itself came around, Walt pulled some of the most talented people together that he could find to help build his park. And a lot of these people came from the film industry. And yes, I'm I'm 100% aware that Walt dealt with his own picket line issues, but that's always a story for another day. So in the meantime, like Andrew said, Union Strong, there's a lot of things on the table that can potentially not only change Hollywood, but many other industries. And so we're going to do our best to continue to support uh, what's going on, and we stand with the union. So uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, over on Discord. If you haven't joined the community, please join us. Uh, if you go to podcasters.com slash links, you'll find the information there, uh, a link to join us. And I'm going to try to post some of the stuff that we talked about. I'm going to also try to fact check some of the things that I said to make sure that I can properly quote some of the numbers that we talked about later. But that's it. That's going to wrap up this episode. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward. And always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. See ya. Part of the Podcateers Network.